0: Isn't God good? Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Isn't God good? I just I just believe that every time we gather together on Sunday morning, it's just a Holy Spirit filled party, dude. So we should be partying for God. I mean, if we believe that Jesus truly has risen from the dead, he's given us new life. We've committed everything to him. This is the best place. This is the best hour on the face of the earth. So I'm so glad that you're here, so glad. I love that our, our leaders are here, our Youth Leader Student Ministries. Woo, 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 love it, love it. Um, you did such an amazing job. At fall fest last i i am so like overjoyed at I, I love our church i love mvcc you invited so many people to come and a lot of those folks they were here for the very first time and just got you know introduced to maybe what this christian thing is all about um not everybody's all ready to jump in all at once but they got an opportunity kind of step by step to see and hopefully experience the love of god and so I just want to say, amazing job. As uh, maybe you've heard, 1,100 people came on last Sunday. That's a lot for our church. It's not just about the 1,100 number. It's just an expression of every person matters to God. Everyone. Everyone is valuable. Everybody counts. And we want, to fill, we want God to fill this place with people because people are important. So um, not only that, but there are 140 of you that said, I will help. I will volunteer at Fall Fest. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, A thousand Texas barbecue plates were served. Who took seconds? I want to know who took seconds. (laughs) And of course, the most important one, there were 500 shave ice for kids that were given out uh, last Sunday. Um, But most of all, we just hope and pray that lives were just transformed and touched. And we trust God for that. Uh, On on another note on Fall Fest, I, I just... Thank you so much. If this is your church home, if this is your spiritual home, if this is your um, Jesus Christ community, I I hope that it is at Mission Vale Christian. Thank you for your financial commitment to God and to this place. Those things, as you know, cost money, but it's important for us to put on a really nice Uh, entry point for folks to come in and we want them to feel loved and cared for and so a lot of that you know just takes money to do that and so I just want to say thank you on behalf of our entire team as we all are all in thank you for your all-in spirit hey I tell you what I um from the moment I got saved when I was 18 years old I mean Jesus changed my whole life And so I hadn't not, my story was I kind of came backwards to the Lord, meaning I didn't grow up in church. I I think I have been to church one time, but I was so hungry for something of substance, I um, accepted Jesus Christ on a Wednesday night when I was 18. wasn't even in a church building, and from that moment on, He just changed me from the inside out. Just like all of us who have accepted Jesus, right? There was a genuine transformation, and I knew, I knew because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. He died. He rose again. I get to go to heaven for free. So why wouldn't I give everything back to Him? I mean, I don't have much. Look at me. I'm short. I don't have much talent. But I'll just whatever I have, Lord, I give it back to you. From the first. First moment I came to Missionville Christian Church, I noticed all those years ago, there are always children here on this campus. Seven days a week, we have something going on. We have a kids club after school program. We have an elementary school, which now we're blessed to have a second campus, which over, we have over 500 children that are in Christian school from kindergarten all the way to eighth grade. We have a preschool and pre-kindergarten here on our campus. So I say all that to say that during the week Just kids always everywhere here. Kids are very special to the heart of God. Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So kids are always dear to our heart here. Not only that, but our Sunday morning experience here, we want more children, your grandchildren. We want kids because they are the heart of God. And so with that, we are committed, we are devoted, we are serious about reaching children and about reaching families for Jesus Christ. And so with that, we've felt the Lord leading and we prayed a lot about it and things came together that we're able to renovate our children's department on this side of the campus. We thank God that we have a preschool for so many years and we're able to use that facility to reach you know, kids on Sunday morning. But now there's more opportunity because we have more space here, higher ceilings, newer building, and just more for the kids to experience Jesus Christ in their life. And for parents to experience what it means to raise our kids in a weird world. I mean, we are just so off the rails. We need the church again. We need community. Kids need community. Amen? So um, money, and, and time, and effort, and all that has been put in so that you can have a wonderful place to bring your children to, and people that you know, and hopefully those folks, kids, are going to bring their friends here to Missionville Christian on a Sunday morning experience. Now, I am so excited because not only are our children's renovated, we're almost done. We've like Probably two more weeks, I don't know, Pastor Brian. Two more weeks, right? And contractors have been here. We have a back order on everything because of COVID, and it's just been—we've been sweating it out. But hopefully, two more weeks, we're going to be done. We also have a renovation of our student ministries: junior high, high school, and and uh, senior adult, young adults uh, are just committed. We've got to reach this generation coming up so um, they are also having their area renovated but I thought I would have I wanted Pastor Becky to come she's our family life pastor because we have right now seven new rooms for (laughs) children seven and wait till you see like the tv's in there all the new furniture you know all the stuff for kids but I will tell you this with Pastor Becky on staff with us here into about the seventh month, we have, she has already been able to double the amount of volunteers team for Mission Kids. But I will say this, as your pastor, I'm not here to make you feel good always. I'm here to push you and prod you and poke you a little bit because we want to push you out of your comfort zone to come and serve. We need three more classrooms committed, both first and second services here that are loving kids and being part of Becky's team. So I just wanted her to come and sh- share with us, Becky, the amazing things that are happening. And why, why would anyone want to give their heart and their soul and their life to kids? Tell us about Mission Kids real quick.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, thank you, Pastor Mike. Um, I have devoted twenty five years of my life specifically to children 's ministry um, because because children need Jesus, and there 's no one there 's no one that has the faith like a child, and Scripture teaches us they are so resi- reticent and they are so willing and excited to believe. but one thing that children need as long as they have this wonderful faith in Jesus and in God. They also need people with skin on. They need people and adults and students and even other kids around them reminding them um, that they're a part of a community, that they are gifted, they are talented, they have a place to serve, God has a plan for their life. And so in Mission Kids, we are partnering with parents, and we are helping kids learn three important things. We want them to love God, we want them to love others, and we want them to love life. And that is a message for all of us, even as even as adults.
0: That's a good sermon. We could probably just go home. We're done, right? (laughs) We have time for breakfast at Denny's. Now go ahead.
1: So, I mean, just a little bit about our team. We have ladies who are in their 70s and 80s mm. serving with kids ministry. Wow. And we have a six-year-old who serves with her parents in toddlers. We have a place for entire families to serve together. And I will tell you from not only experience, but also from surveys and statistically, when children grow up from a young age serving in church, they become lifelong servants of Jesus Christ in mm. the church. They mm. can't imagine going to church and not being a part of it because that is just a part of their very dna and that's a part of their relationship with jesus so we have a chance as a church to really live out our mission and that is to be disciples who are making disciples and the children in our church are disciples of jesus christ and so join with me i'd love to talk with you personally about how you can be involved with our mission kids family supporting it and serving in it
0: amen thank you so much thank you so much becky
1: all right, so here's what we're gonna do. So I can already tell this
0: about a dozen of you that say, I'm in, I'm all in, right? So you wanna talk to uh, Becky, At any time she'll she'll be here obviously for the rest of the day and then you can also if you can't catch her you can find Pastor Robert in the back at Connection Point and just fill out a card so you know what I'm interested in I want to say this if you say you know what I'm interested in this you're not committing your whole life it's not a prison sentence for your whole life you're just saying hey I'm interested I'd like to get some information and I'd love to serve I'd love to serve it's a joy to serve right Hey, we got some folks who gave their lives to Jesus Christ at Fall Fest in the Spanish-speaking service. We have a Spanish-speaking service every Sunday. Pastor Julio leads that. We're grateful that we get an opportunity to reach all ethnics. And so there are three folks who gave their life to Jesus. They're getting baptized today. Isn't that great? So would you please pray? Please pray for them, because after second hour, they're going to give uh, their whole life to Jesus in baptism. And when we say someone gets baptized, what we're really saying, what the Bible teaches, they've given their heart to Jesus Christ. They've just said, God, I want to be saved. Forgive me of all my sins. I want to give my life to you, and we're so, so excited for that. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke 14, verse 25 to 35. Luke fourteen, twenty-five to 35. If you're uh, kind of new to us here, we're just making our way every Sunday morning through the story of Jesus' life, and those are real-life accounts written by Dr. Luke, and so we're in chapter 14 today, which we'll get to in just a moment. I will tell you this. um, As we read the scripture, there's going to be some shock value, there's going to be... this is not going to be an easy message today. I just want to say that. But are you ready for it? I know you're ready for it, right? NBCC, we're not we're not wimps for the Lord. We are strong. We are ready. We are battle ready. We are combat ready to do whatever Jesus is calling us to do. Amen? When I was 10 years old, my father put a rack, a tennis racket in my hand, and something happened when he put a tennis racket in my hand. It was like Luke Skywalker with the lightsaber for the first time. I just felt this energy just, man, right through my whole body. I went against the garage door and started hitting a tennis ball, and that was it. I just was addicted, I was totally committed, I was just in love with the sport of tennis. I would watch professional tennis players, I played every single day after school. My parents saw this passion, I didn't have a lot of talent, but I certainly had commitment and passion to do this. And so they immediately, because we live in South County, and we get everything we want here, right? Because we're, come on, we're all spoiled here, we know that, that's why God wants us to be humble and learn to do that, but they got me tennis lessons right away, not just group lessons, but private lessons. Um, when I started playing tournaments on the weekends, it was every single weekend we'd drive to a place and, and, and play tennis tournaments. I would sign up, pay the money, we would go. That was a commitment. Every two weeks, I'd run out one of my uh, tennis shoes on the toe. So every two or three weeks, I had to buy new tennis shoes. My parents did that. My parents bought me new rackets, um, clothing, um, just driving me everywhere. It was a total Commitment. I told my parents like when I was 12 years old, I said, I so much want to be a professional tennis player. That's what I felt like I'm supposed to do. This is what I want to do. I love playing. I can never get enough of it. The only two days I didn't play tennis was Thanksgiving and Christmas. I had a posse of friends of mine that we just about eight of us. That's all we did. We eat, sleep, drink, talk. Everything was tennis, tennis, tennis. And so I even bought my own tennis stringer to string my own rackets. I just, I was so into this, but I will tell you this, that the dream that I had and the passion that I had never would have made a difference if I wasn't committed to that dream. If I wasn't willing to commit myself when I didn't want to get up in the morning early on Saturday and go to a private lesson and do what my coach told me to do, run the courts, pick up the balls, run the stadium steps, then we get out to the tennis court. If I wasn't willing to do that, I would have not received the blessing of being able to play the game. And I would just say this in the same way, that passion and commitment is something I believe that in the American church, we have lost that. I think we have lost a sense of, God, you've done everything for me. How could I hold anything back from you? How, how could I not put Jesus Christ number one in my life? How, how, could I, how could I allow other things to be the other gods of my life where it says in Exodus, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Jesus wants to be number one in our life. He doesn't demand it. He doesn't crowd his way in and say, you will do it. He wants it to come from the heart. He wants us to say, yes, God, without any question, without any delay, without any reservation, you absolutely, God, are number one in my life. That is what he's asking of those who have received him and who are called followers of Jesus Christ. There's no half-hearted commitment. There's no when I get around to it. When we accept Jesus, we didn't accept Jesus to be a part of our life, he is our life. He is the central place of our life. If Jesus is not the central place of your life, it's it's hard to be joyful and understand every blessing that God has for you. My hope this morning as we read the text, because I believe there's power in the word. It's not what I say. it's what the word of God says. What if we really did what Jesus called us to do to live out the kingdom life of living? What if we really said, Jesus, you want me to reach out to the poor? Jesus, you really want me to love everybody? God, you want me to be a forgiver? God, you want me to also stand up for what is right and truth when no one will stand with me? All of those things that Jesus put down before us, what if we really did all that? What if we didn't say, well, I'll pray about it. You can pray and fast till you look like a broomstick. Jesus isn't looking for fair-weathered followers. He's looking for commitment. He's looking for loyalty. He never looked for perfection. He never looked for people who have it all together. In fact, every one of the 12 disciples, at least what I read in the Bible, they were complete failures. They were numbskulls. They couldn't even tie their sandals right. And Jesus picks them to change the world. Think about this for a minute. Twelve men, eleven because Judas, Judas killed himself. Eleven of them, and then Matthias came in. Now we have twelve men. Think about this: if they would have not been committed, if they were not all in, if they were not devoted and loyal, not just tip their hat to Jesus, talk about Jesus on a Sunday, maybe throw a few bucks in the offering plate, if they were not totally committed, we wouldn't be here. We would not be saved. We would not know the love of God the way you know the love of God if it were not for commitment. That's what I want to talk about today is being all in, all in with Jesus Christ and not hold anything back. Wow, we don't want to really offend everybody. In fact, when we read the text, it's going to seem offensive. Oh, we don't want to really rock the boat because if we rock the boat, people won't come or people won't bring their friends. I just like to say, Jesus, I remind all of it, Jesus was a boat rocker. He spoke truth. He is the truth. He was never worried about offending anybody. He wasn't wasn't irreverent or disrespectful, but he always spoke truth. My hope is today we are bombasted with truth today and with the love of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to help us to get to where God wants us to be. Somebody say amen all in right let's read this text now jesus is just months away from the cross he's on his way literally physically he's on his way to get to jerusalem for one reason i want to remind us for you he was on his way to jerusalem to die he laid his life down so that we could be saved this this is huge this is so serious this way you picked a great day to be at missionville christian church today because i believe this is life changing Text that we're going to read today. You ready? All right, chapter 14, 25 to 35. A large crowd, notice a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin a construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. And they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Did he did he really say that? Did I did I misread that? I th- I think that's what he said. You cannot become my disciple, my follower, unless you are willing to give up everything that you own. Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone who hear, anyone with ears to hear, should listen and understand. Amen. I know this sounds, wait a second, Jesus, are you telling me if I, I want to continue to follow you, I need to hate my family, I need to hate the people that I love? That is not what he's saying. He's using that as an example of comparison of who's going to be first in your life. Let me explain this way. The family unit in the context that we just, we got to remember 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke, there was a cultural context. And the cultural context for the Jewish people of that day was simply this. Family is everything. Family is number one. In fact, in some households, it got so to the extreme that they would set up their children and their families as an idol. And actually, it came, doing what was good for my family, came ahead of God and the things of God so there was a flip-flop so that's why Jesus uses the very extreme illustration to make a point is this I want to be number one in your life when I was doing some marriage counseling with some folks there was one who was a follower of Christ and one that was not wife was and the husband was not and they came in because they needed to talk to me because she was always threatened by the fact that she says my wife always says God is number one in my life Jesus is number one But what I wanted to explain to him was simply this. The fact that your wife loves God first, she's going to love you more. She's going to honor you more. She's going to respect you even more. She's sitting there listening to this, and she's like, oh my God. She's going to, to, at her point of when she knows what is right, she's going to forgive you more. You're going to have a better wife because God is first. That's what he's saying right here. If we put... Anything, anything ahead of God or the things of God or the kingdom of God, it should be thrown away into the deepest of, of, of seas. And what he's saying is, I want to be number one in your life. No other gods before. He is not saying hate anyone. He's just using that analogy. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense to me, but why is it so difficult? The priority is kingdom living, kingdom living is the priority. You will love your family more, you will love your friends more, you will be able to love your enemies, you'll be able to love the sandpaper people in your life, and you'll be able to truly be a disciple and find out what it really really means to be so full of the Spirit, you will never go back. You would never go back to the old life. You don't even think about going back to the old life, but God can use anything in your life that you've been through to reach somebody else for Jesus Christ, amen? So they were experienced fishermen. Here's a question I had. Most of them were fishermen, tax collectors. They weren't, weren't really worth much in societal context. And here Jesus calls them to come follow. Here's the question I have. What would make Peter, James, John, Bartholomew, all the disciples... What would make those men leave their businesses, leave their comfort, leave their family? Peter had a wife and kids. He left them for three years. What would cause these men to absolutely, as the scripture says, turn everything over to him? What was it? Why? Can I just be real and honest with you? When I gave my life to Jesus, maybe some of you here can identify with this, I didn't give up everything. I didn't, I didn't leave my home. I didn't leave my family. I, I, didn't, I didn't write off all my checks to the church, every single, you know, 100% of my money. I, I didn't leave everything to follow Jesus. So why would these guys give up every single thing? And the only thing I can come up with is this, because they were so convinced over time, over the three years, they were so convinced that Jesus is the truth. This is truth, and, 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 and therefore, if there is one truth, then all others cannot even compare to the one truth. I, I think that was number one, because they were so absolutely convinced that Jesus was who he said he was. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And second is this. I think because Jesus was worthy of following. Jesus, they found something in Jesus that was so different, so wonderful, so, so incredible that they said, we, we have to follow him at any cost. And I think there's another reason. I think the more that they hung around Jesus and Jesus taught, I think they were, they, were, they were connecting with the fact that there are so many benefits to following Jesus. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, the fact that he gives us grace. Think about this for a second. He gives us grace He gives us freedom. He gives us forgiveness of sin. Think about this. Guilt is gone. Shame is gone. Internal isolation is gone. You are loved. You have joy. You have peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And those things are all for free. He gave it to us for free. So the very fact that you received Christ into your life and he gives you all those things, no charge, no payments, no credit card. He gives you everything for free, the capacity to have the fullness of God in you, in us together as a church, as a team, as a family. Why would I hold anything back from him then? See? In in fact, for my life, it's offensive if I hold back my 10% giving to God. And 10% giving to God of finances, that's just a starting point. But if I say, well, you know, I I want to buy a house, and I want to get a second house, and I want to get the boat, and I I got college, and all these things for my kids, I'll hold back to me, just personally for me, because Jesus was absolutely so clear in this, that is offensive to God as a follower of Jesus. My wife and I, from day one, we've always done that because we love God. It's because God loved us first, and we love him. So when you love somebody, you'll do anything for them, right? There's one with me today. We are so sleepy. When you were dating him, when you were dating her, when you first met, you'd drive for hours. You, you would be on the phone for as long as you would do anything to be with them in their presence, right? Because you're in love. In the same way, I can, Where's the love for God? It's not about religion. It's not about have to. It's not about I ought to. It's not about, well, I should do this. It's that where is the, the passion to say, yes, God, I love you, and I will give everything to you, God. I'm not holding anything back. And therefore, I am committed. I am committed even when I don't feel it. Amen. Those of you that are married, do you always feel it? Wow. And Kim is sitting right next to you. That is amazing. Let's give it up for Eddie. That is awesome, Pastor Eddie. I need to go to your marriage workshop, brother. I know he's just joking with that because it's impossible for us to stay on a mountain high all the time. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just not feasible. It's not realistic. You are my sons, Michael and Jonathan. I told them when they were little. You are my son when you are in this house, when you run away from the house, when you steal my money, when you do right, when you do wrong, if you decide you want to just blow it off and do drugs and run away from me and, and in my face and say, I don't like your God, I don't like your religion, I don't like your church, I hate all this. You are my son whether you're in the house or out of the house. You are my son and I love you. You you understand that as a parent, as a grandparent. You understand that you will give everything to your children everything you are is for your children do they always please you are you always feeling it as a parent do you always get the love back do you always get the respect no but we are committed we are committed we are all in we are devoted we are loyal right that same transfers what he's asking us he is asking us to not do the normal south county christian thing he's asking us Every fiber of who you are, everything inside of you, every cell of your body, every way that God has created you to be is mine. I want you to give it all back to me. Now, what we, what we do is we say, well, if, if I give everything to God, he'll take something from me. I found the very opposite. He gives so much more back to me when I just say, God, it's all yours. But, and if God decided to take everything away, that's okay because he knows what's best. Father knows best. God knows best for every single one of us. And therefore he uses these wonderful analogies of counting the cost. I when I accepted Jesus, I didn't sit down and think about it for 3 years and go, "Well, what will happen if I give my life to Jesus? What will I have to give up? What will I have to I just accepted Jesus that night because I was my life was spinning out of control and I needed God. But then following Jesus is what he's saying now. The context, context is everything in this text. These folks have already made a decision to follow. He's saying, if you want to continue to follow me, there's no half-hearted disciples. There's no weak, a uh, uh, followship. There is only total, loyal, 100% devotion to me. Not perfect people. I just want your heart. And that's why he says, man, what? What person would look at a slab of land and say, well, let's just start slapping the foundation together and we'll figure out the plans later. We'll get the architects in here. Let's just start the work now. He counts or she counts the cost. How much is it gonna cost? How long is it gonna take? What are the liabilities? How much insurance do I need? What will I do when it's finished? Counting the cost is a good thing. It's, it's, it's good. God gave us a mind. He wants us to use our mind in conjunction with the Bible to make good, sound decisions. And a, the best decision you'll ever make is to continue to follow Jesus Christ no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how much the days you don't want to do it. And can we be honest? There are some days we don't want to follow God everyone's doing it, everyone's having fun, everyone's into the world, everyone's just grabbing the gusto, and it just seems like I'm missing out. Anyone here ever experienced those emotions? It's okay to have those feelings, what God is looking for, and I think this is when we really drill down. A true disciple of Jesus Christ is saying, God, I am willing to follow you even when I don't want to. Even when I don't want to today, I will follow you. I will make the right decision. I will put you first in everything, God. Jesus is so good because in case Pastor Mike missed it today, which I have been known to do it, in case you missed my teaching, I'm going to give you another analogy. What general would go into battle without a battle plan? When I played tennis in high school, I would look up the opponent. I would track where he played in other tournaments. I would ask people who played against him, what is his weakness? If his backhand corner is the weakness or the low shot, I'm going low, baby. I'm going all the way in the corner on the backhand side because somebody told me. But I had to ask questions. I had to investigate. You know as well as I do, you got an enemy against you. We have an enemy against us. The enemy is playing for keeps. Take no prisoners, man. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy your life. It's serious business. And we've got to know the wiles of the enemy. We've got to know where our weaknesses are, and we've got to know where he may be coming to attack us. And that requires commitment to be in the word, to look where he might be attacking next, to have brothers around my life. In case I can't see those things, a brother can stop me and say, hey, this is what I've noticed. I don't want you to get hurt, so let me help you. A sister who can come to a sister in Jesus and say, we're concerned because we love you so much that this may be a point of... Are, 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 are we there? And then he wraps the whole thing up with salt. Such a wonderful analogy because in that day, salt, salt... Was, much, was used much differently than we use it today. We use it basically for seasoning or the taste. They use it as a preservative. So Christians, those who call themselves Christ followers, we are the preservative in the culture. Don't, don't be afraid when you stand up for what is right. Stand up for truth. And those ones that won't stand with you, you stand by yourself. You stand and you know you're not by yourself ultimately, but it may feel that way. Salt is supposed to be the preservative. You are the preservative in culture. What does that mean? That means kingdom living. That means we are followers of Christ. We're not just Sunday people. We're not just believers. We are Christ followers. And to find the joy of God is to say, God, I'm all in. I'm not holding anything back at all. In the text here, salt in the Greek is in the emphatic position, which means you and no one else. That's what he's trying to communicate. In Leviticus chapter 2 and Ezekiel chapter 43, actually salt was a symbol of loyalty to the covenant. That's the, when the Jewish people heard Jesus speaking, they knew, oh, he's asking for a total commitment. He's not asking for a fair weather followers. He's not asking for fans. He's not looking for people to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and we live like hell the rest of the week. He's asking for people to say, I am all the way in. It's you and you alone, God. Long-term loyalty. Anyone can start a race. How many can finish that race? How many can finish? And like Paul said, I have finished the race. I have run the course. That's, that's, that's where I want to be. I hope that's where we all want to be. So I just put together what I think Jesus is saying here out of this text because I'm kind of a simple guy. I like simple teaching. Number one is this. He's looking for supreme loyalty. Supreme loyalty, right? And again, oh my gosh, I struggle still with smoking. Oh my gosh, I'm still, I still once in a while have, I I, I get too much, I, I, I don't know what it is when I drink alcohol on the weekends. I, 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 I Man, I just, there's, oh man, I just can't seem to stop smoking pot. So I guess, well, God can't use me. Wrong. He wants you to give everything, but he's not looking for people that have it all together. That's what breaks my heart the most. People who drive by every Sunday and see the sign, Missionville Christian Church, and your car's parked, which I love, and and, and they see, what do they think about us? What's going on? Oh, that's where good people are. I can't go in there because I can't measure up. Some of the people, they believe that. They think that because what we've portrayed is better than you. What we have portrayed, when I say we, I just think generally the big C church, we have portrayed this holier than thou, I'm better than you, I got all the answers and you don't. And Jesus is looking for people that just say, look, my life isn't much, he's changed my life and I'm still learning this thing, but man, I I, I so much want you to come with me on this journey. Number two is this, self-denial. Without question, he's looking for self-denial. And that doesn't mean we put ourselves down. It doesn't mean we think less of ourselves. It just it just means humility. It means laying ourselves down in a moment for somebody else so that they can see life. They can see God. Number 3, I think it's pretty clear that he wants us to count the cost. If I was to get involved in Mission Kids, what does that look like? It's not wrong to ask that. It's not wrong to say, "You know, I don't really like kids," but could I be a part of a prayer team to pray for kids? That's okay. Counting the cost. Becky, what is it? Pastor Zach, what is it if I was to be part of your team? What does it look like to spend time with students who so much need a big spiritual brother, big sister, to put their arm around him and say, hey man, we just wanna help you follow Jesus and I'm here to help you. I'm not here to give all the answers. I'm just here because I love God just like you do. Well, what would that look like for me to sign up and be a part of a ministry and give my life Number four is this, strength to wage war. Strength to wage war. We are in a battle for the hearts and souls and lives of people. It's serious business, but it's fun business to get in. I I tell you, if I played football, which I've never played high school football, as you can see, I'm small, right? But if I was to ever play football, I would not want to stand on the sideline the whole game. I would respect wherever the coach played me, but I would, man, if I can just play, a certain, I just want to be in the game. And I would hate to be a Christian where you just stand on the sidelines. It's no fun. There, there's no excitement. There's no engagement. When we follow Jesus, we are saying, I am willing to engage. I am willing to engage in whatever you have for me. That's what kingdom living makes so exciting. Number five is this, refusing to be fake and phony, dude. Come on, let's make a commitment now. I am not going to play the plastic Christian game and make sure that I have it all together. My Facebook and my Instagram and my TikTok and everything looks, if it was to look at my family, does it look like everybody's got it all together all the time? Come on, right? I'd love for somebody, I have yet to see, well, I may have seen one or two. I'd love to see somebody's Facebook. Like, I had the worst day ever. All the makeup's off and my hair's disheveled and I don't know what I'm gonna do. My life is out of control, but I love God. I just wish somebody would be real. Jesus is asking us to be real because that's where the world is I'm not asking us to participate in the wrongdoing. I'm asking us to be able to identify and say, I will live my life like Jesus with authenticity. That's why people flocked to be around him because he was real. He was authentic. He was down in the streets with people. He was with those that were hurting and dying, diseased and demon-possessed. He was with them. He didn't say, hey, I'll be in the high tower in the synagogue over here. If you need some help, you can catch me here by email. You can get my Instagram or you can just walk in and make an appointment. Maybe I'll have time for you. He was down in there rubbing against the sores of a little boy who didn't have any place to go and his father had tried everything possible. His son was racked into with demons and thrown into the fire and nobody could do anything. And Jesus says one word, come out, two words, come out. And All of a sudden things are changed. That's the way I want to live my life. That's the way I want us to be at Missionville Christian, a disciple that's all in. Disciples making disciples. We don't want just crowds. Anybody can get a crowd we want disciples and 10 people who are all in versus 100 people that are standing on the sidelines. That's what we want. Somebody say all in. Come on. All, all in. in. Casual or committed? We have um, one of our elder, elder team here is Pastor Sirik. He's on um, our elder team here at Missionville Christian Church. And they came to us. God brought he and his wife Ellie to us years ago. They are absolutely committed, devoted, absolutely sold out to reach people who are in the Muslim faith to understand that Jesus is more than a prophet, that Jesus is the son of God and that he loves you. They are not been perfect, they have not signed up to condemn anyone, they have signed up to share the good news of Jesus Christ and they've been doing that all over the world via media, uh, social media, television, phone calls, thousands of people have given their life to Jesus Christ because they are committed, because they are devoted. And their their, their bank account, their house, their, their jobs, they're just a means to an end. They're not living for those things. And these folks are the most happy, content people I've ever met in my life, because they are absolutely devoted and committed. They are all in. And I know his heart is to say thank you for Missionville Christian. Part of the money that you give, a percentage, helps to go to projects like this. People are getting saved all over the world that we may not even know about, Well, we trust God because we are devoted to being a part of the same work that he's part of. Amen? I, I want to share with you another family. You might not recognize this family. This is the Bonville family. The Bonville family came to MVCC about four years ago, and they just felt like this is home for them. And not only is it home for them to start worshiping God, they gave their hearts to Jesus in a fresh way. They are now growing in the Lord because they have placed themselves in a place where God can say, now I got you. I got your whole life. And so they said, hey, Becky, we want to sign up and be a part of Mission Kids. Their whole family serves. Isn't that great? Let me tell you, if you, if you see them walking around, tell, tell me about your story. Tell me about your experience. Every time I see this family, They're not perfect family. They don't have it all together. They got stresses and trials. just like we all do. But there is something that just kind of oozes out of them. It's God. God is just all over them and in them. Because Not because they're perfect. Not because they have less sin than we do. They've placed themselves in a place where they say, I will follow Jesus, whatever he wants me to do. The best place you can be is for you to think, I can't do this. I can't do what you're asking me to do. That is the best place to be because God says, yes, you can. I will empower you. I will give you everything to be able to do what I'm asking you to do. Commitment to God, commitment to commitment and commitment to family and commitment to yourself. Commitment to ourselves. I love Revelation 2.10 that says, I tell you the devil will put some of you in prison to test you for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I promise you, I will give you the crown of life. Those are the words of Jesus. That's our hero. That's our savior. That's our God. That's the one that we follow. That's the one we've put all of our hopes and dreams into. Amen. Jesus says, 14, John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, he looked at his disciples and said this. We'll wrap this up. If you love me, you will obey me. It's not pick and choose. It's not if it fits into my schedule. Lord, I'll jump all the way in. What does that look like? just a couple of quick things here. Number 1, I want I want us to really do this. If you write, I just hope you write this down or make a mental note. Assess if there's any relationship that you have placed ahead of God, and I want us to be serious about that. I'm not asking you to love that person less. I'm not asking you to say you have to break up with this. You figure that out later, but I'm asking I'm asking us as myself, have I placed an idol in my life of anyone? Oh, I just so much want to be their friend. I want so much and you people pleasers out there, you know of what I speak. Oh, I just want them so much to like me. I want the friendship. I just want to hold on to this and we put that up as an idol and God is waiting on the sidelines going, "What are you doing?" You're missing out on so much. I will take care of that. You put me first. So I'm asking us to assess that right now. I know some of you here today. You want to be married again. The first one didn't work. It's sometimes sometimes things are inevitable. You know, divorce happens. I, I understand that. And and you want to be married, but you want to be married so much that it's an idol. You catching what I'm saying? And some of you who are married, you want to be single again so much that it's an idol. All right. Assess the commitment assess the commitment what does it mean if i get back into relationship with someone that i really want to go deep with i want to find a christian guy i want to find a s- sold-out christian woman w- assess the commitment don't just get enamored with the beauty because the beauty doesn't last right <laughs> it's the commitment the commitment the loyalty you may not be Oh, i'm just going to say it i'm going to say it i know we may lose somebody i'm going to say it pastor brian i'm sorry We may not be married because we're not ready yet. Because we haven't sold our our heart out to Jesus all the way. And we're looking for Mr. Right and looking for Mr. Wrong. Number three, assess what you'll give up. Here's what I'm asking. Yes, Jesus said give up everything. My Toyota Tacoma, that's yours. If somebody needs to borrow my truck, you can, of course. My house, that's the Lord. You need a place to stay, you can stay. my. I, those are very general and big things. I'm asking us specifically things that we have, possessions, money, things. I'm asking to assess what is it that we're holding back. Well, I don't know. Just, just say, God, it's yours. God, it's yours. And then the last one, assess and decide to finish well. I was reading this text over and over again all week. God, what do you want for your people? And it just kept coming back to the fact anybody can start well. Anybody can start a race, but very few can finish it and finish it well. Her name was Cassie Vernell. You might remember the tragedy of Columbine High School. She was a Christian. She was a Christ follower. She wasn't just Christian. She was a follower of Jesus Christ. And that wicked ungodly, sinful person who decided to go in and shoot up innocent lives took a gun and put it to her forehead and said this. Do you know God? She said, yes, I do. He pulled the trigger. Right on the spot. There's a book that was written about her life called She Said Yes. What I didn't know until years later I read that at her memorial service a church not big enough to hold all the students, all the family, faculty of her school. They had it in the stadium in the local city. The pastor who led that service for Cassie Burnell at the very end, talking about her life, mourning the life of somebody who loved God with all her heart, asked for a altar call for people to come to Jesus Christ. Almost the entire high school gave their life to Jesus Christ because one, think about this, one person was committed Till death do us part. That's what I'm asking us for. That's what I want at Mission Vale Christian. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for you. Amen? Amen. So this time of communion is just a very, very, you know, I I wish we could spend more time at this. But for the sake of, you know, our children's and we got another service coming. But for the service that we do have here, the time that we have, I really want to encourage you, if you're a Christ follower, inside the seat back in front of you, there's... A cup with some juice and then there's a, a, a wafer there and a bread. And I, I just want to ask for us one thing. When we take this, this Lord's Supper, when we take the communion, I want you to ask the Lord. First of all, thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life. Is there any area of my life that I have not laid down for you, God? God, our hearts are sincere. Our hearts don't want to hold anything back from you today. And so God, in this very timely moment, this precious moment that we get to remember your love, the cross, forgiveness, God, we are asking for strong conviction. We are asking God for out of that conviction for you to bring hope. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.